Hey, I just real quick wanted to interrupt before the episode because we understand that 34 is a mess. And we really hope that you bear with us for this episode. Luckily, it's mostly side quest stuff, so nothing real important is going on. I can assure you that we're going to take the steps necessary to make sure that things going forward sound a lot better. It was the first time that we were recording in a different space, and there were just things out of our control. Yeah, especially on my end, because where I'm currently staying has a lot of background noise that we've done our best to try to deal with, but that's definitely caused some problems, and hopefully going forward that won't be nearly as big of an issue as we get better at working with these things. It's rough, and and we understand, and we're we're working on doing better, because we're not happy either. (laughs) Yeah, that's... The understatement of the century, especially considering we've been doing so well lately, new listeners and stuff like that, at least from our perspective, according to our stats. Yeah. So it, it just really, it just sucks. And, and the, we're sorry. In the end, you know, we even talked about it a little bit and we decided we would rather just go ahead and release to keep to our schedule rather than, you know, going back and trying to re-record it or whatever, because we got it to a point that it's salvageable. It's not great. <laughs> But it works. Hello, this is Chris. And this is Andrew, and welcome back to Video Games Cover to Cover, episode 34, part 20 of our coverage of The Witcher 3. 21. Yes, you're right. Sorry, 21. Someday I can count. <laughs> it's funny because I think it's like the last three or, or four episodes, you've like consistently been one off every time. I remember the overall episode though, which is surprising. Well, yeah. So I guess as a heads up before we get started, this is our first episode where we are attempting a new recording format due to the fact that we are not physically in the same location. So please bear with us if there's any issues. We're trying to work through it. But like, since I'm traveling, I don't have all of the like awesome soundproofing equipment and stuff that we use normally. So hopefully it won't be too bad. But apologies in advance. And by awesome soundproofing equipment, he means several boxes that I taped together and have soundproofing taped on the inside of them. You know what, though? They work. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. So it's awesome soundproofing equipment. I mean, that's good enough. That's all we really need. Yeah, I I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) But hopefully we'll get a system that works, but... You know, apologies for if the next like couple of episodes are a little wonky while we kind of work through how it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, next episode, I'm just going to tell Andrew he's got to sit in a closet and talk to me or something. If that's what it comes to, that's what it comes to, you know. I, I'm perfectly fine with you sitting in a closet. I was going to say, you are willing to make the sacrifice of me sitting in a closet for hours. Well, hey, here's the problem. This is, I have all the aforementioned awesome soundproofing equipment, so. Anyway. <laughs> On to matters at hand. So, so, But before we really get started, the question that I have, we kind of stopped it off last time. I really want to know, did you go visit that hermit? Oh, I did. And the question I have is, when you visited the hermit, were you all five virtues? Yes. 
I went and got the sword immediately, just like you did. I got to be honest, that's a huge disappointment for me. (laughs) I know, you're upset. You were expecting that you were going to get to make fun of me for being a bad witcher, but I immediately got the sword. Oh, I'm sure that there's still plenty of other instances where you're going to be a bad witcher. No, you know what? No, I'm not giving you that satisfaction. There are not. Okay. Well, I guess we'll find out. So, I I assume that you've completed all of the side quests at this point? Uh, Yeah, pretty much, except for the Gwent ones. Yeah, it's the only thing I haven't done either. I was working on Gwent. I've been gradually collecting my Gwent deck. The main reason I haven't done any of the others is you basically have to finish the one about getting the full Skellige deck before you can do the other side quests. So I've just been like slowly, like if I run into somebody, I've been playing a hand, but I just have not gone out of my way to do it because it's by far the least important part of what's happening right now. Yeah, I'm not really, this may come as a shock to everybody, but I don't really care about Gwent in this section. It's actually kind of funny because Andrew was sending me pictures of him and Gwent today, and I'm sending him messages back like, what is wrong with you? How can you stop playing the story and go out and play Gwent? You have got to be kidding. I had a really good hand. I had like 15 cards to hit. The other guy's like four, and I I had to share it. It doesn't matter what amazing hand you had. You shouldn't have been playing Gwent in the first yeah, again, everybody just, story. everybody just remember what is happening right now. You don't understand somehow the how situation good. has happened. No, I understand full well because I've played quite a bit of the story. Um, I know not appara- as much as you, obviously. You apparently don't understand that well, considering the fact that you were playing Gwent instead of continuing the story today. Man, yes, you're right, because if something is good, that means that is literally the only thing I can ever do, and I absolutely can never do anything else when we have a podcast where we literally are talking about the story, then yes. Right, and we have plenty of story to talk about. We do not, sir. If we don't have enough story to talk about, then maybe the story's not really that good. Mm. Oh, Just saying. So, so you don't think the story's good then? That's literally not what I said. Oh, no, please, please, go on. Please, continue, please tell me about how bad the story is, no. Andrew. I'd love <laughs> to hear about it. Do you just not understand how words work? Because that's definitely not what I said. Mm, Well, you heavily implied it. No, what I implied was, if you were not able to get enough content for an episode out of all the story we've covered, that would suggest that the story was bad. That is what I said. Okay, well, you know, here I am. Because we've played a lot of story. Here I am, trying to get this story completed and get this out there to give our listeners a wonderful experience talking about how great Blood and Wine is, because everybody really, really wanted us to play it. It's true. Yeah, by I, far the highest demand thing. Multiple people said, oh, you can skip Heart of Stone if you want. You got to play Blood and Wine. No, absolutely nobody said the... Uh, I take that back. One person I know said the opposite, but that's it. That is what I'm trying to give the people, exactly what they want. If you don't want to do that, then hey. I mean, we're here. I, let's get going. <laughs> well, sir, since I am significantly farther ahead than you, why don't you uh, talk about some of those side quests? Okay. So, again, like we said, went to get the sword, fought the hermit, who is pretty clearly straight up like Merlin or whatever, like I said last time, because he talks about how he's basically been sitting here guarding this sword for ages and um, has, you know, clearly has cool wizard powers and stuff. So I'm going to go with my original statement on that and say he's Merlin, but got the sword from the Lady of the Lake. She's all not. That. Oh, wait, the hermit was her. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, as soon as I, you said that, that reminded me. It was. I went back and I read a whole bunch of the character descriptions 
because of a of another quest that I was working on. I wanted to make sure I had all the information possible. And I happened to see the hermit and she basically just mentions in the character descriptions that the hermit is in fact the lady of the lake. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that and, is and I I realized that and then as soon as I said that I was like, wait, yeah, as soon as you pointed it out, I'm like, no, they were very clear that that was her. That is also the second time that Geralt has seen the Lady of the Lake. And apparently gotten this sword because, yeah, she makes direct reference to that. Well, she doesn't... She mentions the sword, but the character description doesn't mention the sword. Character description only mentions that the first time that they saw each other was in some muddy lake somewhere. And Geralt was confused at first because, like you said, the character descriptions all seem to also be Dandelion. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like everything that's written down is, is, dandelion, is yeah. dandelion. And it talks about how Geralt, after meeting her the second time in this pristine lake, realized that she basically just shows up pretty much anywhere where there's men of virtue or something. However, they described it. I think it's a body men of water. Of virtue, but yeah, evil, virtuous virtue, men, something virtuous like that. individuals. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it does specifically say that that is. The, the lady of the lake. Yeah. It was a fun fight, though. It was. Him, like, seven little random water monsters to shoot at you and stuff was kind of neat. Apparently, there is a cap to how much Arendite can level up, but that increases every time you actually level up. So it has, like, a max damage, but then that whatever that max damage is goes up as you go? Yeah, so the sword gotcha. actually... It levels up with you. So the higher level you are, the better the sword get, which at that point, what is even the, better the point the so- of having any other sword in the game? I will say, though, last time you mentioned that you had stopped using Iris because you got this sword, and I want to point out, Iris is a steel sword, so you could have been using both. Oh. Just say. Well, I stopped using Iris because I started using the Ursine set. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have also stopped using Iris for the same reason, because that was the, the next thing I was going to talk about was going out and getting all those Witcher plans. Except, instead of Ursine, well, see, that is why I really like having mods, because I can activate that. I only have to wear one thing to get the bonus of all of them. Although, I still wear the entire Ursine set. The only thing I have replaced with it is Arendite. Yeah. So realistically, I mean, it does seem kind of rude from CD Projekt Red to be like, yo, here's this awesome bonus, Quen, 200% damage. Oh, but here's Arendite, which is basically way better than that. Oh, but you can't have both. Yeah, that's a little unfortunate. I mean, I guess that's part of the deal of sets. I mean, just like in Diablo or whatever, although pretty much in Diablo, if there's a set, it's there's pretty much universally nothing better than that set, as long as you're building for it. Well, the other thing I like about Diablo is you can get a ring, reduce the amount of set that you actually need, and you get a yeah. multiple ring so that can actually stack. So, Or during the season when you just got that automatically, which was a couple seasons ago. Exactly. And that's really, I feel like Diablo, I mean, duh, they have longer to actually, you know, well, work their mm-hmm. system in and everything. But I feel like, at least from my perspective, Diablo is one of, like, the gold standards of sets. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, your sets and stuff are a much bigger deal. I mean, having the set bonus is cool in The Witcher, but it is not nearly as big of a deal as getting a good set bonus in Diablo. Like, you basically absolutely hit a wall where you cannot proceed without a good set in Diablo, and it happens relatively quickly. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Whereas, like, I mean, I like the Ursine set, but had I not made it, I still probably could have finished the game without, like, I don't think it would have dramatically changed my experience that much. I completely agree. I easily could have finished the game without it. It's just, it adds a different element to it, and it makes it different enough that it's just giving me something else to work towards. No, for sure. So, anyway, yeah, that was going to be the next side quest I wanted to bring up, was talking about getting those sets, because I will say the scavenger hunt quests, way more complicated than they ever were before now, which makes sense, because these are the last ones, but they sent you all over the map, and you would get them, like, one, two pieces at a time, instead of only having, like, two stops you had to do to get everything before, and and some of them were just... I, I, there's, there's one, the... maybe the... Griffin? Or Manticore? I don't remember. One of them, like, has you going to, like, five different places before you get the whole set. That would be incredibly annoying. I only ever got the Ursine set. Oh, yeah. No, I got all of them. I got achievements Are any it. of them worth it other than well, that not, one? That wasn't why I did it. I mean, uh, I mean, they all have different styles of set bonuses. The only other one I considered, it might have been Griffin. There was one that gave you a bunch of sword bonus stuff, but I went with Ursine just because I am absolutely in love with Quinn, especially because I started doing the same thing and getting it enchanted so that you auto-cast Quinn on your gear because that's just so useful. Oh, yeah. Especially when you get to use it in fights as well. I went back and did the fisticuff stuff. Yep. Like I said, they're, like, they're all kind of a little bit different from the regular ones. I mean, it's not so amazing that it like completely revolutionizes it or whatever, but I appreciate that they at least changed it up some. I mean, yes and no. Two of them were different. One of them was really just a parry tutorial. The other one was, oh, it turns out she's a woman the whole time. Oh, Geralt doesn't care? Like, yeah, of course Geralt doesn't yeah, care. That, Why would he? Yeah, that was the least interesting of them. I mean, there was also the one that forces you to be drunk and the one that, uh, the insult oh, one. Well, the forcing you to be drunk was the very was the last. the champion, yeah. I was in a, the one that I liked the most was Mancomb. I mean, for obvious reasons. Oh, absolutely. Reasons. Yeah, same here. I mean, however... I knew that was going to be the best one as soon as I saw it, just because I'm like, you can't top this. Mancom is amazing. The only disappointment I have in it is that it was very clear which option was the winner. To be fair, in Monkey Island, it was also very clear which option was the winner. You just didn't have to go do the side quest stuff to get it. He just already knew. Oh, okay. Because in Monkey Island, that was it. You always pick the one that rhymes. But in Monkey Island, there was this whole long quest where you had to basically like throw insults out to people and then have them basically teach you the response by knowing the response and then Guybrush would remember it. And so you kind of like had to just go collect your insult stuff, whereas Geralt just already knew. Well, that's because Geralt is already the king of insults. Absolutely. He was born for this task. Right. I mean, Guybrush had to go train and, you know, he's only a goofy pirate. He obviously does not have nearly the experience that Geralt does. And I did think it was hilarious when Geralt spends his whole life being the sarcasm king. It's true. Although, much like, I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit, but there have been a couple other characters in this DLC that have really been up there at being able to dish it out as well as they can take it from Geralt. Oh. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that's main quest stuff, so I figured we'd get to that in a little bit. But yeah, so I I collected all the gear stuff, and then of course the armorsmith was excited to be able to go be a grandmaster, because that's what he wanted these blueprints for. I did like his little backstory that he gives you, where he learned all of his stuff from, like, this legendary elf blacksmith. Yes, and I think the diagrams were all things that his elven blacksmith 
did. And I think the whole point was the Witchers were going out to basically get the stuff they needed for this gear. And this elven blacksmith was the best of the best. So they were talking about how these Witchers would go to great lengths just to get this gear. Like with the Ursine gear, Geralt was in the cave. He goes, he was reading the journal entries and stuff of what the Witcher was doing. And Geralt says, there is no way I would ever do any of this. Yeah, this is too much risk. He should have known better. And it just goes to show how good this elven blacksmith was that these three or yeah. four witchers or however many gear pieces there actually are were so good at their job that everybody wanted this stuff. The way the armorer guy described it, he basically said that he was the best, everybody knew he was the best, and then that meant he could charge just an absolutely ridiculous amount of money, which meant that the witchers would have to go out and take dangerous contracts that would pay a lot and stuff. I will say, that gear is definitely worth it. Yes. But I will f- say, once again, it is a little funny that Geralt goes out and deals with these problems that these guys got themselves into, and of course, handles them all with no problem, and it's like, You're just like the greatest witcher who ever lived. Let's just accept that at this point. Yeah, I mean, there is some argument. Here's the other thing, Andrew. Those other witchers did not have the benefits of the added mutations. That is true. Speaking of which, I I just learned a new one the last time I was playing because I've been still slowly unlocking them to get the extra slots. And there is one that you may consider switching to if you're still using that cold blast. I highly doubt it, but go on. At the beginning of a fight, it gives you plus 30% damage for every person who's in the fight with you to both sword and magic. So, like, I got into a fight and I got plus 360% to everything. I mean, while that's cool, it still does not have... That's only good when there's, like, eight people. You rarely get into a fight with that many people. I mean, yes, obviously that number was definitely the outlier, but... The other nice thing about that one is it lets me equip both red and blue in that middle slot. Yeah, I don't care about red. I only care about the blue stuff. Oh, okay. I mean, here's the thing. Why on earth would I need something that gives me plus 300% damage when I can cold blast an entire group of enemies and more than half of them die? So I have 300% damage for the other two people. Or I have 300% damage and be less effective at killing everyone in a group? No thing. I'm telling you, I I would be hard-pressed to find something better than the Cold Blast, personally. I guess that's just a better style, though, because at that point, the only sign I ever use most of the time is Quen. And since I don't switch out a bunch, I mean, I guess if I was switching a lot more, but then I'm like, oh, well, I don't have Quen, and it broke, and I want it again. So, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't find... I use Quen once at the beginning of the battle when it happens automatically. And again, if my suit protects it. Other than that, I've never, ever needed Quen again in a battle. See, I almost always recast it because of things like when you have Quen up, it prevents your sword from losing its charges, even if you get hit. So, like, it actually makes it a lot easier to level the sword up. Yeah, I mean, I won't disagree with you there. I also am not really super concerned with leveling my sword up because it just kind of happens over time anyway. And like you said, it's a, in in this whole area, 
it has been a long time since I fought anything that wasn't a human. Yeah, I mean, I, I fight a lot more humans than we did in the other two, which is kind of annoying because of how much you need to get the mutagens and stuff for those new mutations. Well, you do. Well, I mean, I guess, do you not even care about getting the extra skill slots? What do you mean? As you learn the new mutations, you get extra skill slots, even if you don't care about the actual mutations themselves. Nope. Oh, uh, okay. Then. I don't really care about the extra... Like I said, I'm telling you, I have the only skill that I need. Why would I need to unlock anything else? The other main reason I keep learning the mutagens is so I can just get more base skill slots, because I have all these skills that we were talking about not being able to use, and now I can. Well, so the thing for me is I don't really need to use any other skills. No, none of the other skills that I've come across, I guess, I just have a system that works. Okay. For, from my perspective, every time I play any game, if I have a system that works, why fix something that isn't broken? I completely annihilate everything that I come across. Even if I'm only fighting one thing, the immobilization of Quen is still perfect. I get the knockback effect. Sometimes they're frozen and sometimes they're immobilized. And when they are immobilized, it's basically having like a less potent version of the Axne, the one that basically just stops them in their tracks. At least I think that's Axne. Yeah, it is. It's a less potent Axne. It's honestly, it's like three skills in one. It's ice damage. It's Axne, depending on whether one of those other things doesn't work, or it's knockback. It is like the ultimate skill for me at this point, and it's one of the very first things I've got. Fair enough. And unless I level that up anymore, which I probably won't, because again, I'm in my 50s and I'm not having trouble with anything. I mean, at this point, I think I'm pretty close to beating the game, so I just, I, I guess I'm just not as worried about skills as you are. I just, I mean, it goes back to what we had talked about previously when we were lamenting how, you know, we were out of skill slots or whatever, that I just... I don't like getting all these points and stuff and then basically just being like, well, I guess I can't do anything. So like having the ability to get extra slots and stuff, it's not a ton, but it, it helps a little bit. So, Well, see, that's I always play games like that. I literally never spend any of my skill points ever unless I need to. If I don't yeah. need to spend a skill point, I fail to see why I'm spending a skill point. I mean, yeah, I guess that there's other things I could be experiencing in changing my fighting style and everything, but again, my fighting style isn't broken. I just find that hilarious given how much I know you also love, like, you know, getting more powerful in games and stuff, or like, all oh, the Dragon Ball Z stuff we used to do and things like that, so I, I, I don't disagree because I know you're like that. I just find it really funny that you simultaneously, like, love that, but then also just never do it. <laughs> I don't do it because when I actually do spend my skill points because suddenly I feel a need for it, then I go back into the fight and I'm so unbelievably overpowered that I get the satisfaction of suddenly being, like, a Super Saiyan. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So when I actually need a skill point, then I'm like, okay, cool, I'll spend all of this stuff. And then I have the satisfaction of being the hero and coming in and just absolutely annihilating them when I was having problems before. So, like, like the shonen anime where they get knocked down and then, you know, they get up and, like, pull out the new level of power-up or whatever and destroy them? Essentially, yes. Fair enough. Because that's the thing. It's like, whereas you, you know, like to get as strong as you possibly can all the time because you constantly have difficulties keeping up with your Witcher stuff. <laughs> you know, I just do everything <laughs> in, in big blasts. Uh. Yeah, here, here's the thing. Which one of us is letting ghosts out 
And which I, one of us is what does, going around freezing everybody to death? What does that have to do with getting skill points? I feel like maybe if you were spending less time worried about all of your skill points, maybe you'd spend more time being a good witcher. I, you know, that's just you a know, I'm just saying I don't think skill points and being a good witcher have any correlation whatsoever. Wow. And, and here we In this sit, context. one good witcher and one objectively bad witcher. So <laughs> but apparently a good enough witcher to get the sword. evidence to the contrary. But I was a good enough witcher to get the sword right away. Just saying. Well, I guess we need to talk about all those side quests. Again, I don't know how many. For all I know, you could have put that off until just before we recorded so you could say that too. Okay. Because you I mean, were I- supposed... <laughs> To immediately do it beforehand. And I know for a fact, you absolutely cannot get all five virtues until you do a specific quest that I know you hadn't done at the time of our recording last time. Which quest was that? It's the one that you just texted me about a couple days ago. The right quest. Oh, okay. Yes. I mean, you're right. I didn't do it instantly. So I guess there's you that. I did not go You were supposed to. Oh, again, now suddenly all of your lies are coming what to life. Lies? Just because I did like literally immediately do it the second we talked about it. You were supposed to. That was supposed to be the very first thing you do when you got back. So I guess I know for a fact. Let's talk about that quest now that we have the opportunity. But Oh, but there's so much, because that's, that's technically a main story quest, so you know what? You're right. We'll hold off on that for a second. Let's continue some of these side quests. I want to know what happened with you and the tree. Oh, yeah, that was actually the next one I was going to bring up, so that's good timing. So you have the tree and the woodcutter who is convinced that the tree is a woman from a fairy tale he used to hear that is waiting for her lost lover, and... Geralt is immediately very skeptical of this, but as you investigate, it becomes clear that uh, this story is at least partially true, because it definitely looks like the tree is bleeding, and he can hear crying coming from it, and just in general. So he, he, he gradually becomes more convinced that maybe this guy's onto something, even though he's not a big believer in fairy tales, which well, I thought was... Sorry, go ahead. The tree was only bleeding because the guy hit it with an axe, well, yes. because... That guy was a tree cutter. Yeah, that's, that was what he, he was there to do, was to cut the tree down, and then he stopped when he saw what happened. Yeah, he saw that there was blood coming from the tree, and then he started hearing the crying and stuff, which, I mean, here's the thing. If someone hit me with an axe, I'd probably cry about it too. Sure. Although that's not the reason she was crying, but regardless. But I will say, this was another moment where I thought... Geralt's characterization felt a little weird because he was really dismissive of fairy tales as a concept and he seems like of all people the last person who should be dismissive of that because he always talks about how you know legends frequently have like a a basis in truth or whatever and I don't know what fairy tales would be other than legends like that so I didn't really get why he was making fun of the guy about it. I think part of it may just be because Geralt has been around so long that he's pretty much seen everything. And whether it be a fairy tale or not, having some woman be trapped inside of a tree seems essentially impossible. Yes, I get that it's kind of, you know, unlikely. Sure. 
But again, of all the people, Geralt is seems like the last person who would be saying that just because, you know, something's unlikely, I don't believe in it or whatever. Like, look at all the things he's been through just in these games, let alone in the books and everything else. Like, man, you know what kinds of crazy stuff that can happen. And I didn't, I don't know. I, like I said, I just thought it felt weirdly out of character for him to be so skeptical. It's not that I disagree with you. I think it just goes in line with a lot of what we were saying last time. And well, maybe not last time, but what we've said before in the sense that different writers have different ideas on things. And I think just more along the lines of whatever kind of gets the, I don't know, I don't disagree with you. Everything in Toussaint sort of just feels like some sort of fairy tale. And to a lesser degree, it almost seems like everything is just one giant fairy tale. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that is something I'm almost positive we talked about last time, how it just it does. It feels like a land of fairy tale, like in a way that a lot of the other things haven't. Well, everything else was always so dark and dreary. So it was like you're basically living in the worst timeline all the time. Yeah. Whereas Toussaint, it just seems like from Geralt's perspective, maybe it's one of those things where why on earth would there be a woman in a tree in Toussaint? Like, are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, I guess. I'm sure it was probably something like that. Who knows? Again, you know, Geralt is a fictional character and what he says is up to the writers at the time. Oh, yeah, obviously. And yeah, I think you were onto something about that in terms of like, it is kind of similar to like what we talked about with Yuna in Ten Two, how it felt like her characterization changed between chapters. And this is a DLC, so right. Whereas everything was kind of dark and grim before, this one just seems so much more. I want to say lighthearted, but it is and it isn't. On the surface, it feels a lot more lighthearted, but yeah, as you start digging into it, it's really not. So you finally got to the seedy underbelly of Toussaint, huh? Finally, we talked about this last week. It hasn't been that long. Well, I do want to say, I do feel like I talked it up quite a bit, that maybe there was way more going on. You know, yeah, there may be say, some disappointment with that, but... Yeah, that, I, I was going to talk about that. I'm like, yeah, there's definitely more going on. But yeah, you made it sound like Toussaint was going to be like way grimmer and darker than every other part of the world so far. And I'm like, I mean, there's more here, but like, I really haven't gotten that vibe. Maybe I, well, just I never said it was grim enough. and dark. I just said that there's a lot more going on than what meets the eye. You know, the the transformers. Well, yes. I mean, that's true. Yes, every, every that's that's really the secret. Actually, you just ruined it for everybody. Is that Toussaint is actually just a giant transformer, and it turns into a spaceship uh, no, partway through. Anna Henrietta is Optimus Prime, right? Detlaf is Megatron. Presumed Megatron. Yeah. <laughs> Regis would be Starscream. <laughs> Which I Regis is actually so. one of the people that I was talking about who can kind of keep up with Geralt on the uh, the witticisms and stuff. They have like a really good dry banter going on that I quite like. Yes. Regis is... I, I wouldn't say Regis is more of the sarcasm master. Regis I mean, just... He's no Dijkstra on that front, let's be clear, but... Well, that's because I don't... Regis doesn't seem to really care about anything human at all. Yeah, he's very... For obvious reasons. He's very detached. He's... But I do like him a lot. Oh, 
Regis is one of my favorite people in this whole quest line. I really started off this whole area really liking Anna Henrietta. Mm -hmm. And where I'm at now, I'm kind of like... Oh, good. I have that to look forward to then. Well, you may not have the same feeling as I I mean, I... At least so far as where I'm at, like, I don't dislike her. I mean, I'm I'm mostly just like, yeah, she's cool. Like, I bet that's like all the further I've gone into it because I don't really have that much attachment to her at all. I just don't see eye to eye with her. Yeah, that's fair. And anyone of royalty that you don't see eye to eye with, they tend to show their uglier sides. Oh, so I'm guessing this is something that uh, I haven't gotten to yet, but... (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so where were we with the tree? Uh, we had literally just talked about the baseline of it. So, so um, once you agree to take the contract, after being convinced that there's something going on here, he gives you his book of fairy tales. Did you read the book of fairy tales? Yeah. I was going to say, I assume you did because you've been talking about how you know you want to make sure you don't miss anything. So, I basically followed the advice of the book, which is how. The knight that she was in love with had gone up to talk to this witch, and everyone begged him to, you know, be humble towards the witch and, and treat her with respect, and he refused to do that, and he never came back. So Geralt was not going to make the same mistake, and I had him be as polite and friendly to her as possible. I did to an extent. However, I, before even going to see the witch, I went on a little expedition. Mm-hmm. around the witch's lair, mm-hmm. specifically underneath it. As I noticed on my map, there's an entrance here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's odd. Let me go ahead and check out this cave system. Yeah. I get down into the cave system, and I noticed bones of some dude, presumably that guy. Yeah, definitely that guy. And uh, There's no presumably about it. They were him. So I kind of, I'm wondering if my conversation with the witch went a little differently than yours. Probably. So why don't you go ahead and go first since you already introduced this line of comment. Well, you were saying that you were being so polite to her. I was, yeah. You go into the witch's house. Uh, Yeah. She's not there. At least for me, she wasn't. She wasn't there, no, but... Her panther was outside, just sitting there. Yep. Oh, cool. Which immediately was like, oh, there's a panther here. Oh, but it's not hostile. That's unusual. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was was real different. Yeah, because normally they attack you right away like wolves do. I looted for an entire establishment. Yeah, like you do. And then I came across her little pentagram of sadness. Yes. Pentagram of Sadness, exactly. Where I picked each thing off of there, and Geralt was talking about how, oh, this probably led to something terrible, and this is something terrible, and this is something terrible. Well, no, to be fair, not all of them he said were something bad. At least some he was like, this could have been good or bad, although given the others were bad, the ones that could go either way were probably also bad. And then you get to the handkerchief. Yes. It turns out belongs to yeah. I can't remember who it belonged to. It was either her. I think it was her. It belonged to the tree lady. Yes, the tree lady. Yeah, it was the handkerchief that she had given the knight as a memento before he went off to go 
to the witch so to like remember her by and you know give him something to latch on to or whatever I don't think she sent him off to the witch. She sent him off to war, didn't she? No, she sent him off to the witch in the book. He was trying to win her hand in marriage, and her father didn't like him and made him do, like, tasks to prove he was worthy, and going to the witch was the last one. He was trying to get the witch to lift the uh, drought that was affecting the area, which one of the things on her wall, Geralt specifically talks about how this could have been to either cause or end a drought so depending on how the conversations went you could definitely interpret that one either way got it well then the witch comes in yes and she's you know like a lot of mages i mean she's what you would expect well no i was gonna say she wasn't exactly excited to see you being an intruder in your home and Geralt kind of asks her about the girl and i was polite up to a point Yeah. She asked me what I was doing. I basically said, I'm trying to help the girl. And she says, you know, at one point. She basically says you're wasting your time because that's not really anything that anybody can fix. So you have two options. You uh, essentially can force her to fix it, presumably by killing her. Or you can do the polite thing and ask do as the knight did and so or as the knight was supposed to do but didn't no the knight did i don't know if you Uh, got the same dialogue options i did but oh no i did heavily implied that the knight and her oh no no yeah okay i guess i should say as the knight as relayed in the storybook did not do but in reality yes it definitely implied that he was more than polite oh he was very polite yes For a very long time. He was over and over polite. Extremely. You know, it was kind of funny because the first thing that you do is you bow down to her Mm -hmm. and she mentions, oh, you didn't look like a man who would bow your head to anyone. Well, you've never met Yennefer. (laughs) Also, that sounds like flashbacks of the meeting with the emperor. (laughs) Well, yeah, where I didn't bow. Yes. And if I had the option to not bow and just be polite in this one, I would have done that too. Yeah. Because it gets to the end of the conversation after she enlightens us of her night with the night. And yes. then or not not just night. It was for a, he was there for a while. And then when he left to go get his beloved back, she had him killed and tossed his bones underneath the thing. So but it it sounded like um, she she says to Geralt, "Sorry, go ahead. You have the option. You can figure it out for yourself, or you can give me a lock of your hair, and I'll tell you what to do." And at that point, I said, "No way. That's not happening. You have got to be kidding me. There is no future <laughs> where I'm going to give this witch my hair. It's not happening. Especially not when I found this dude's bones underneath your house." Oh, and I did forget, it gave me the option to loot his bones, so I did, because you never know when you're going to need some bones. I mean, it's a video game. If it lets you loot something, the answer is yes, I'm going to take it. That's just how this works. I'm not just leaving them bones there. That's not going to happen. So she basically says, in no short of words, uh, screw off. Mm -hmm. And I take the handkerchief, and I leave. And then I go back, and I start the ritual myself, but I guess, how polite were you? I was all the way polite. (laughs) 
Which is to say that I did wind up giving her the hair. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you gave this random witch your hair. You trusted her knowing she killed this dude. Or did you not go see his bones first? No, I hadn't gone to see his bones first, but at that point she had already explained what happened, so I still knew what happened. Okay. Yeah, so you you just gave some random witch your hair. Okay, that's that's cool. So how did the lady in the tree go for you? Really well. I went back and did the ritual. I had to go get the bone, and she told me exactly where he was as part of the ritual. Because you have to burn the handkerchief and his remains and explain to the ghost what happened, and then she can move on. So I did, and you have to set some fires, and the woodcutter helps you with that. You do the ritual, she comes out, and I explained that he wasn't coming back, and she asked, was he loyal to me till the end? And I'm like, telling her the truth is not going to end well, I have a feeling, so I said, yeah, he totally was. And she's like, okay, well, I guess I've been sad for a long time and I should really start moving on now. And she does, and she thanks you and the woodcutter, and it's kind of a nice little moment, and then she leaves. Yeah, and then the woodcutter is kind of like, oh, I guess they expected things to go down a little differently. And I'm sitting there like, uh, what, you were expecting a reward? <laughs> Well, I think he was hoping that she'd be a person and then, like, fall in love with him, like, in a fairy yeah, tale. Yeah, no, I knew that's what he was hoping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the reward I was talking about, and that's the typical, like, uh... Fairy tale ending. Yeah. Oh, that's why there is another thing that I I really want to talk to you about. Okay. Guillermo, or whatever his name is. Yes, 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 yes. The night tournament. But before we get there, there is a few other ways that quest can go down. No. So So you've been going out and doing a lot of reading, I take it. Yeah, I have all of this time waiting for you to actually play the game. So I'm able to go out and figure out all the different options that I, I have available to me. Did you specifically talk about how you were going to intentionally not do any reading and then every episode you've been like, yeah, so I went out and read some stuff. I read <laughs> The options of the quest afterwards, and these are side quests. Okay. Side quests don't really matter that much since I already have Erendite and I already did this. So if you don't go down and get her bones, she comes to life and immediately attacks you. And it's really funny because the tree cutter immediately after that whole thing, he's like, whoa, what was that? Geralt says, oh, I I must have done something wrong with the thing or whatever, but, you know, she's at rest now. And the tree cutter goes, oh, I don't know what I expected, hiring a bumbler. (laughs) Wow. I wanted so bad for you to miss something. So then the tree cutter would call you a bumbler. You are a terrible person. I wanted it so bad. You, You are the worst, sir. Well, even worse is there's apparently an option to kill the witch, because of course there is. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was implied by the fact that you like all the stuff about forcing her. You beat her up, and she says, fine, I'll lift it. You go back to the tree, no spirit. Also, no tree cutter. Cool. Weird. There's a bunch of blood around. Tree cutter's gone. Turns out, you find the tree cutter, using your witcher senses, and... 
you notice the dog immediately attacks you. You kill the dog, and then you hear a bunch of screaming. Turns out, the ghost possessed the first living creature it could find, which turns out to be the dog. And because she was filled with rage, immediately killed the tree cutter. Oh, boy. So there was an even worse way to end the quest. (laughs) So at least I just wanted you to be a bumbler. I mean, that's fair. But turns (laughs) out, like I said, I was actually a pretty decent witcher. Ha. Well, ish. You still gave this random witcher hair, which I didn't do, but still successfully completed the quest. Okay. And now this random witch just has your hair that she could do anything with she wants. Now, she says she's only going to make an invisibility thing or whatever. I don't believe that. No way. There's no way that's going to happen. You are not going to get I'm never going to come searching for you again anyway. Karamet, I mean, whoever you are. (laughs) Yeah. I have one name for you that I'm just going to go ahead and Yennefer. And then you run away screaming and yelling just like you should. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. So I, I, yes, I want to talk about the whole night trial thing now because that was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the tournament was really cool. I was actually really curious about your thoughts on that, though, especially like the archery part, because I know how much you were talking about how much you hate archery. Oh, I absolutely, I dominated. So, so yeah. they did have, what I liked is it wasn't just the base stuff. Like horse riding was You had to hit targets and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's been kind of true of all of the things that we've seen before. Like, like I said, like how all of the fist fights had a little thing going on. Well, I guess other than the one, but like in general, like this DLC... Like, every time you're like, oh, here's this thing I've seen before, they turned around and did something different with it, and I really like that. I don't want to feel like we're dismissing the one, either, because in Tucson, it would be an incredibly big deal for it to turn out to be a woman, which it was very clear that she was, because every time you hit her, she would very much sound like a lady. Yeah. And admittedly, it was definitely a big deal moment for her in this universe for Geralt to be basically the only person that's acknowledged her as a fighter. So it was different in the sense that it wasn't the same old thing, but it was definitely a bigger deal to her than it would have been to us. But yeah, mechanically it wasn't. And by proxy Geralt. And that's fair. Correct. Yeah. I didn't want it to seem like we're dismissing that as all, well, you know, we're dismissing it in the sense that like it shouldn't have mattered in the first place. Right. And I mean, and again, also like, said mechanically, like that was that fist fight was there was nothing different about it from all the other fist fights, like in the moment of actually having the fight, unlike all the others that had something was actually different about the mechanics of the fight. And that's honestly why I've really liked and had a really good time with Tucson in general, because everything has just been X plus. Like mutations, there's a new way to do it now, and your mutations can get different. Fist fights. There's different elements to it. They're playing around with different things. This whole night thing where horseback riding is not just horseback riding. The archery, I mean, the archery, like you're going up against somebody else as you're doing archery. And then I think the other one was, it was a fight, I want to say. I think it was just a regular fight. Well, it was like a team fight. Yes, yes. It was. It was a team fight. And so let's talk about that whole thing in general. Basically, Guillaume, 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 he's the guy who was fighting the giant in that first area that you ever come across. 
Right, when you first arrive. Again, he is the guy that's fighting the Shalimar. He has an invitation to the yearly games. Yeah. And he's noticed that Lady Vivienne... The person that he he happens to like. The person (laughs) that he's trying to win their hand by doing all these deeds. He noticed that she's been acting very different. And he wants to do whatever he can to help her, but she basically wants nothing to do with him. She's made it very clear that she doesn't want his help or pretty much anything to do with him. But being a dude, he just <laughs> continues anyway and insists that Geralt enters this whole tournament on his behalf to get a chance to talk to her. Because the only way you're going to get an opportunity to talk to her at this point is to participate in this fighting tournament. In these games, yeah. But to be clear, yes. He's a dude and he's not listening to her, but also this is that, you know, maybe less optimal, to put it mildly, side of chivalry where, you know, he's just trying to do right by this woman or whatever. And it doesn't really matter whether she wants him to or not. He's just trying to do good deeds because that's his duty as a knight. And it's like, come on, man. In this world, specifically Toussaint, it doesn't surprise me at all. But it is kind of one of those things where when presented later with the option of telling him stuff or not. I basically took the screw you route. I am not telling you a thing. Interesting. Oh, so I take it you went back on your promise and told him everything? It changes how some things can go, so yeah. Oh. Yeah, but let's let's do with the games first. So we have the option of participating in these games. This is actually where you find out that Geralt has multiple Sir titles. Yeah, you learn about how he is Geralt of Rivia, and also, yeah, that he has another one from, that was, I guess, kind of a fake name, is kind of how I understood that? Yes, it was something that one of the people, you have the opportunity to ask that guy about both of them, and I asked about the second one, and it was basically just something else he did that was really good, but they didn't use his real name for whatever reason, probably because he was like, I don't know. I really I got the impression. I got the impression from that explanation that he was like doing an incognito type thing and like pretending to be someone he wasn't, and then got knighted as that person. But I'm really not sure. But in choosing Geralt, I got the attention of someone who was actually from that queen's domain. (laughs) Yeah. Who mentions, "Hey, douche, you got that title, and then immediately abandoned my queen." So I thought it was. What right do you have to even be here? I don't even think it was just some guy. I'm pretty sure it was the prince, so like her son. All I know is, he is not happy. That is an understatement, yes. He's very clearly very not happy. So, basically, you run around to each one of these events, and you have the opportunity to practice each one of them. I did do the practice of each one, and then I got a feel for each one of the things that you'd be able to do. Yeah. I mean, the fighting I practiced and just completely obliterated them. Sure. The one I struggled the most with in terms of, like, at least in the practice, was actually the horse riding obstacle course stuff. I had to try that one a couple of times before I felt confident that I could do it. I did do that one twice as well. I did the fighting people twice, but that was just because I accidentally fought them a second time. And then I was like, are you kidding me? Now I have to go destroy all of you again. Okay. Let's get this, this is over with. This is embarrassing for you guys, but also for me, because do I really need like, this? This isn't even a light workout. 
Yeah. You just walk up, hold my sword, and you'll stab yourself. <laughs> so I handily won all the events, and I did kind of like that the whole time you got to wear Geralt's, like where he's actually from, his of Rivia. His emblem, yeah. And so you get Geralt's sword, you get Geralt's horse thing, you get Geralt's whatever. And it's funny because it just says Geralt's of Rivia yeah, thing on crossbow, it, yeah. each one of them. And I thought that was kind of a cool, interesting touch. And I, one thing I was actually wondering about when I thought about that was like, do they make copies of special crossbows and whatever for literally every night in this tournament and then just destroyed all but one of them when it was over? That's what I have to assume. Unless like they had the, some blacksmith ready and waiting. Well, so they probably just had one thing and they just had like different crests ready to go realistically, but... I actually thought about that at the exact same time. It's like, so can I have everybody else's stuff too? Or <laughs> yeah. As but the winner? I, I was thinking about it like, you know, how um, in the Super Bowl they make like two sets of rings for both teams so that way they have it ready to go regardless of who wins and then the other ones just get destroyed and that's all I can think of the whole time. Yeah, but what if one of them didn't get destroyed and then it like showed up on the black market or something? Oh, that would be worth like an unbelievable amount of money. Way more than the actual, actual Super rings, Bowl rings, yeah. probably. Exactly, because it'd be a one of a kind thing. Yeah, like I would want to be that guy. I mean, I'd the, get um, fired because I definitely keep one and sell it, but. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't get just get fired. You know they would come after you with like everything they had for the lawsuits and stuff, too. Well, yeah, but that's why I sold it on the black market. Well, I mean, it, it didn't work out for the guy who stole wine later and got killed for it, but yeah, that's like way later. So we'll probably yeah. talk about that thing next time. <laughs> so in between each one of those things, you had the opportunity to continue your investigation. Yes. You basically get to talk to her and she is like protruding magical energy. And she talks about how she wants, basically she doesn't want you to be involved or any way, shape or form. Yeah. Basically she's, leave she's, her alone. She's no more interested in Geralt's help than she was in Gearms. And Geralt is like, yeah, but, it's pretty clear that you're cursed, so whether you want my help or not, like, it's quite literally my job to fix it, so, like, don't yeah. really worry about it. But then you you go to her tent at night. Basically, you have the, it's kind of quick. You only can pick up three things. I know this because this is actually one of those times where I did reload because I was like, wait a minute, I missed something. No matter what order you do, no matter what order you do it in, no matter which things you pick, you only have an opportunity to, think. I think, take three things. And then the lady immediately shows up. It's three or four, I can't remember. But I do know that you absolutely cannot get all of this stuff. Yeah. When you're inside of her apartment or whatever that is. Her tent. Her apartment. Her flat. <laughs> apartment. And so, well, Lady Vivienne is a big deal. So at nighttime, you, that's kind of when you're, you're going to come back and try to figure things out. Yeah. And, and at this point, yeah, Geralt's made it clear that he knows something is going on. And obviously, like you said, she's got something extremely magical going on and uh, he's just not really sure what it is. But as you find some stuff, like it all kind of gets even more confusing because like, one of the things you can pick up is a feather, but there's no birds, and her perfume that's like- There's a bird like, that's been following you this whole time. 
Okay, we well, yeah, get throughout this entire quest. There's been like this Oriole like Spiro yeah. thing that's been there the whole time. Okay, yes, but I mean there was no bird in the tent because he specifically comments that there was no bird around in the tent. He could see you would make this, but then he does say that there are several monsters that like actually keep birds around or whatnot. And so he thought that maybe she was some sort of a monster and that was sort of the whole curse thing. Yeah. So at nighttime, you have a drink with Guillermo. I basically tell him, yeah, I'm still looking into it. Yeah, I'm still going to figure it out. You know, it is what it is. And Vivian comes out. She says her little speech and then she goes back to her tent. So you go to her tent. Oh, that's when they introduce the guy that you're going to fight later, which it seemed kind of like an ominous introduction. Yeah. But like, I completely destroyed that dude. So I don't. (laughs) Yes, in jousting, which was again, like the only time this has ever come up, essentially. (laughs) Oh, oh, when you're drinking, when you're drinking, I totally forgot about this. That guy comes up to you again before the whole Vivian stuff. The Rivia guy. Yes, the prince. And insists on having a duel with you. Right. Well, not a duel, because that would end in one of you dying. Did you accept? Oh, totally, I did. Yes. Did you beat him? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Which, again, like in jousting, which has basically never come up. I mean, I guess technically, like, if you had been doing mounted combat during the base game, but why would you ever do mounted combat? Yeah, I would have no reason. Every single time, because of the horse's fear level, I've always just gotten off. Exactly. Same. And so... You beat him, and then he he talks about how, well, I guess you're honorable after all, which that's the tick for honor from Erendite, at least one of them. Well, okay then. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of them. That was at least part of why I was honorable then, if not all of it, So because I definitely got that. The other tick for wisdom was the tree being able to resolve it without her basically killing everybody. Awesome. So when I showed up and I was going back and I was reading like what all of the things for each one to try to figure out which one I actually did, I was like, cool. So like I should have been super polite, but because I'm meticulous and found those bones anyway, Geralt just happened to do the ritual with the bone too. So basically I just kind of lucked out on that one. Because I you, wasn't you were independently wise. I wasn't supposed to do it right, apparently. <laughs> but because you have the bone and because you had the handkerchief, and because yeah. I didn't kill her, then it resolved the good way. And that was also <laughs> that was wisdom. Nice. Basically every single side quest you can do, there's one a, of those things. One of those things. Except I don't know about the wine. Maybe there was something with the wine there. I don't but, know. Well, I guess we can get back to that. I I guess the only question I have is who did you give the winery to? Uh, Both of them. I didn't. I gave it to the girl. Oh, really? That's interesting because then you did you resolve the whole thing? Yeah, I did. Including the extra stuff? Yep. Oh. And then she she talks about how she's going to do her best to... Since we did things differently, we'll go back to that. Yeah. So, Vivian, it's nighttime and... You get to her tent, she's not there, which is weird because we definitely saw her walk in there. Right, yeah, like she literally just went there. That's a little strange. So we see this bird, and Geralt decides we got to follow this bird. So we follow the bird into the mountains, and we keep getting attacked by panthers and other things like that the whole time. But you follow this bird, and then 
you get there and you find out this bird is actually Vivienne. She is a bird lady thing because <laughs> apparently her parents, who were heavily implied they were going out to this little clearing and, you know, making friends, getting it on in this clearing. They were being extremely polite, like the night was with the witch. <laughs> Very polite, over and over and over, day after day. Well, apparently, some creature did not like that. This creature decided that that's not cool, and this is my place, even though, you know, it's the forest, and pretty sure it belongs to everybody, but whatever, convergence, weird stuff going on, sure, it's your forest. So she was cursed, and for whatever reason, she became a bird. And Geralt basically says there are two ways that this can end. You can give up. We can basically find some poor sap to pass this curse onto, or you can basically pass the curse onto an already bird. However, if you do that, you're probably only going to live about as long as a bird would normally live, which is maybe around 10 years or so, if that. She basically says, yeah, I'm not going to put this curse on somebody. There is no way I'm going to do that. That's insane. I am going to do the bird route. And if I only have 10 years to live, I am going to use those 10 years to the fullest of not having this curse. I was like, cool. You are like, awesome. I love you. Yeah. You know, definitely. So then you go back and Guillaume talks to you and you have multiple options. One of which is tell him what's going on. I didn't. I specifically didn't because she asks you why you're even there in the first place. And Geralt says that Guillaume basically hired him to do this. And she said, oh, so you're only going to help me because of him. And Geralt says, and I specifically go, no, I'm going to help you because you're cursed and you need help. It has nothing to do with Geralt. It's like, if I had found any of this out outside of Geralt, I would have done everything to try to help to begin with because, you know, Witcher. It's yeah, kind he, of what he I was do. just Right. Guillermo was just the way that I got this information to begin with, but everything since then has basically been entirely because it's a situation and this is my job. And she's like, cool. However, do not tell him. I don't want him to have anything to do with this. Which I say, cool. I'm going to respect your decisions as a lady and not do that. Apparently, Andrew decided to tell Jerome anyway. Yes. I told Jerome because, well, a couple of things. One, partially because of exactly what I expected was going to happen, happened which is that he immediately volunteers to take the curse himself rather than make her suffer with a short life, which I fully expected he was going to do as the chivalrous knight that he, you know, constantly tries to be. Um, and then the other thing of it was just, look, honestly, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have known. And I guess I just felt like I sort of owed him the information, even if I wasn't sure what else I was going to do with that, because, like, she wouldn't be getting cured at all had he not correctly identified that there was something going on and granted she was basically you know not wanting it to be his problem I, I get that but like at some level he's already involved because we wouldn't have known without him and so 
I guess I just sort of felt like he had earned that much. I guess that's just where we disagree. Because as soon as she decided it was none of his business, I decided to respect her wishes. Because if she... Listen, this is her curse. Yes, he found out that there was a problem. And he actually shows up anyway. Oh, I see. And she basically... Because then the other thing he does is he says, well, are you even going to participate tomorrow? And as Geralt, I said, yes, of course I'm going to participate tomorrow. I came here to do this. I'm not just going to leave. Like, what kind of a person would I be if I'm only... Realistically, yes, I was only supposed to be there for this whole thing. But at this point, I'm probably going to win it anyway. So, duh, of course I'm going to continue to compete. Well, yeah, and it's not like we can do anything about her situation until afterwards anyway. Exactly. So I was like, yes, I'm definitely going to continue to do it. I was like, but I'm going to do what I need to do with Vivienne after, and you're just going to have to be okay with that and understand that things are going to get fixed, but she just doesn't want anything to do with you, period. You just need to sack up, buddy, because this is it. She doesn't like you. She doesn't want anything to do with you. Like, I'm sorry, man. Get it through your thick skull. Get away. And so after you kind of beat up everyone in the tournament and surprise, surprise, I destroyed everybody. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It was even funnier because on my way to her the night before, I changed out of the night gear and into my Witcher gear. There was no auto switching back. (laughs) So in that fight... You had your your good gear. I immediately had Quinn and all of my super good gear. That's funny. And so once again, a hundred percent Quinn activation worked out. I well love in it. My favorite. They did absolutely nothing. That night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nothing. And they're like, just don't get in our way. And I'm like, okay, I'll kill all of them. Yes, yeah, for real. Like, and well, you know, you're not a knight. Don't get in the way. And I'm like, screwed. do you have any idea who I am? At all? Like, clearly you, you not. You do know that I'm the one that killed that Shalimar, right? Well, yeah, I am the... No, because I... Wait, did I kill it? Yes, I did yeah, kill it. Yeah, you said you did. Not killing it was apparently mercy or whatever that virtue was. Oh. Oh, well. So we must have shown I it got so it another way, apparently. Yeah. We, we got it in another way, and I don't remember how else we got that. I think it was actually this Vivian story. Oh. I think it was part of that. But here's the thing... I was thinking virtuous, everything from this perspective, and she made me swear not to say anything to Guillaume. So again, I'm thinking, I got to do what she wants. Whether he hired me or not, I have to do what she wants. If she doesn't want anyone else to be involved, then she doesn't have to have anyone else to be involved. Guillaume shows up anyway when I'm talking to her later, and then she says, Geralt, why did you tell him? I told you not to tell him. And Geralt's essentially like, yo, I didn't. Like, I don't know what any of this is about. She basically tells him, she was like, I, I thank you. If it wasn't for you, Geralt was probably, we wouldn't have met. and He may not have fixed my issue. But honestly, bud, this has nothing to do with you. And I don't like you. It's cool that you like me. But I'm going to need you to just move on. And he's kind of like, well... But I kind of, I did all of this for you. And she's like, I get it. But buddy, this is my life, not yours. You're just going to have to move on. And so he does. He's like, okay, I guess I really don't have another choice. 
And me and Vivian went up into the mountains and we completed the whole thing and gave it to a bird. And so she'll only have about 10 years, but she doesn't knock her curse onto somebody else. However, it sounds like yours went a little differently. So I, I guess I want to know how yours ended. So, as I said, I did tell Guillermo what was happening. And just like you expected, he also shows up then and basically insists that he wants to take the curse. Absolutely. That he is definitely... He doesn't care what the, the problem would be, he, that it's his duty to do this as a knight and, and things like that, which is the option I picked, was to give it to him. Because it's like, if he's going to voluntarily take it, and more importantly, Geralt discusses that because he's a grown man and not, you know, a still developing child, there's a very good chance that the curse will not affect him at all or affect him significantly less. That's the option I went with because it sounded like at least a decent chance of working out for everyone. And Guillermo was very insistent that he didn't care about the risk. So I was like, all right, this seems like the best outcome, potentially. And if it doesn't work out, then he knew what he was potentially getting. So you go up there with both of them and Geralt has them hold hands and do this ritual. And it looks like... It works out as well as it could, because Guillermo does not immediately become a bird person, and it doesn't seem to imply that he's ever going to become a bird person, and she's cured, so, and she doesn't get the short lifespan, so I, it seems like that actually is the best ending. Except for the fact that it definitely mentions that she didn't start becoming a bird person until way later in her life. Just because he's a grown man doesn't mean that it isn't going to overtake him at some point. So, whereas I think that that may, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the best ending. I would say that's probably the good ending out of the possible two. Okay, well, I, I guess by definition, if there's only two endings and it's the good one, that makes it the best of two. But all right, yeah. I don't, here's the thing. I personally don't think that's any better than my ending because my ending actually included taking a woman's, taking what she wants into consideration, which is not to tell Garome in the first place. You went things a little differently and decided that I, her opinions don't matter. No, what I decided was I want the outcome that seems like it has the best chance of success all around. And based on the information I had, it was that. Not necessarily, because if you had told. There is a good chance that if you told him after she already didn't want you to have anything to do with this and didn't want you to be there at all, that also could have easily ended in, screw both of you, I don't want either of your help. I mean, I suppose that's true, yeah. Which is the other reason why I decided against lying to her. But my professional opinion as a witcher weighing the, the oh thoughts was... Oh my god, was, this professional opinion as a witcher. Look... If you're going to sit here and, and, like, give me crap every time I do something that's not optimal, I think I can do the same for you right now and explain why I think that I made the right call. I, I still don't think you did, but hey, we're allowed to disagree because here's the thing. Did they stay together? Yeah. Oh, of course they did. So this is just going to be another one of those things where I said it's no. It's a fairy tale. I said no. I said no. I said no. I said yes. Now we're living together. 
Yeah, uh, it's a fairy tale. Exactly what I expected from because everything in Tucson is basically a fairy tale. Well, that's fine. Well, I used my professional opinion as a witcher to consider what the woman actually wanted, which was Garum having nothing to do with any of this. Yeah, I considered that opinion, but as a professional, in this case, it worked out better this way. Oh, yeah. You know, as a professional, I realized that women's opinions don't matter uh, wow. in the Witcher you universe. are really just determined to make it so that I can never be correct about anything right mm-hmm. now. Why do you think you're more correct than me? Just because Garum doesn't look like he's going to turn into a bird person mm-hmm. today, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that he won't later. And she's cured, or mine is she's cured, and she gets to go do whatever she wants for the next 10 years. Presumably. She gets more than 10 years under mine. Presumably only 10 years. Geralt doesn't know that either. Geralt says, I think you'll have a bird's life. For all I know, she's cured, and she's cured forever, and doesn't have to be saddled with your own for the rest of it. I wouldn't say it was saddling the way they talk. I mean, I will definitely say that it sounds like this is relatively inconsistent writing because in the path where you actually have him help, it really sounds like she kind of always liked him to begin with. So that's a little weird. I mean, that again, is- it sounds like they just sort of wrote the the dialogue so that you basically just don't even know about the other way, which is a little strange. That is incredibly odd. Because, yeah, it definitely, like, because I mean, like, even before you do the thing, She's talking about how, you know, well, because of what he's doing, she'll always be by his side, even if he turns into a bird or whatever, like, it makes it sound like she always really kind of liked him. Like, even before you actually, like, do the thing. If there was any of that in the beginning of the quest at all, I definitely would have told Garome. If there was a semblance that she even liked Garome in the first place, I would have considered weighing those options. But I don't, from... None of my perspective, any of that was there. For all I knew that he was just butting in this entire time and basically just butting into her life and suddenly trying to fix all of her problems like a typical dude bro would. And that is the exact reason as to, I didn't care if he was going to say, well, give me the, give me, because of course he was going to do that. But I'm like, okay, so now she's basically just going to be saddled to you for the rest of her life out of guilt. She's guilty that you took this from her, and that's why she's staying with you. If there was any chance that I thought that she actually liked him before any of this, then I would have went behind her back and told her the truth. Just like I would if I found out that like one of my friend's wives was cheating on somebody. Like, no, like it's super not okay. I'm going to tell the other person, whether I promise you that I won't say anything or not. Like, if there was any way that I thought that she liked him at all, I would have went behind her back too. I wasn't getting that, and I thought he was literally just some random dude bro trying to interject himself into this woman's life. And because of that, that's why I I didn't want to tell her the truth. Whether either of those... Honestly, it's strange for The Witcher because it seems like both options are objectively good. Yeah. In the sense of, well, apparently yours is the best one because apparently she liked him the whole time. I didn't get that at all. Because you know what she tells Jerome when he shows up? She basically says, turn around and start walking and don't quit until you forget about it. So even if she's fixed, she's basically like, I want nothing to do with you forever. Even if she becomes a normal person again, 
and she has the opportunity to love him for the next 10 years and give him an idea on what's going on. The way mine is written, my ending, is she basically just super hated him and didn't want anything to do with him at all. And so when I sit here and I'm comparing the two stories, I'm like, that makes no sense. It really makes no sense. It's almost like two different people had two different inputs on this one quest and decided to end it in two different ways. It's almost as like your decision to either tell her or not tell her basically interactively decides whether what her feelings were just to make you feel better about it in the end. Yeah, that is interesting. But yeah, no, it I, I mean, I definitely at least from the ending definitely got the impression that she like genuinely liked him. And yeah, it was it was strange. I'm going to have to go back and watch that and see if I'm getting the same thing because she I'll send you the clip. I mean, it's very clear that when he shows up and you didn't tell him what was going on, and when she realizes he's just there on his own accord, she's basically like, I hate you. Never talk to me again. Interesting. So that's why I'm sitting here like, no, Andrew, you suck. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Because from my perspective, she hated him. So it's very interesting to hear that basically it's entirely your decision on how she reacts to everything. Yeah. Apparently. I'm curious if either of those, like, I guess the best way we could probably settle if one of those is considered the better option is if either of them gives you, like, if one of them gives you one of those virtues and the other doesn't. Would at least explain what the devs thought was supposed to be the right answer. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. I get, I, it could I, also give you a different one depending on which one you chose. That's true, too. That would actually be really interesting. Now, I guess uh, before we record our next episode, we'll have to uh, look that up. Look that up. Yeah, exactly. For sure. If we remember between now and next week, (laughs) we can make a note to do that. Now that I've gotten the sword, I suppose I can go look that up too, since now I don't, you know, I wouldn't be spoiling it for myself. So you'll be spoiling other stuff. Okay. Well, then I won't look it up then and I'll leave that to you. I I can look it up because I'm very, very far in the game at this point. And I've already locked myself right. into specific decisions that I, I can't take back anyway, and I wouldn't take back. Okay. So So I think the other uh, thing that we were going to talk about was the winery, which will probably be one of the last things we, we get into today. Right. So basically you, because everything is wineries in this whole game. <laughs> yeah. It's the, like, I think like we said last week, it is basically the only industry in Toussaint as far as I can tell. Yeah. Winery and fairy tales. Those are the only two exports from Toussaint. <laughs> well, I'm not even sure fairy tales are an export because they all seem to still be in Toussaint. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. You know, you've got bird people. Yeah. And pre women. Anyway, so basically, these two people are feuding back. And it's this lady who owns a, a winery and this dude who owns a winery. And if I haven't made myself very perfectly clear i care so little about dudes in any video <laughs> game or universe and yeah i was gonna say that's not just a video game thing that's just a in general thing yeah. for you so you you basically have to solve both of them want this new winery that's coming up for sale yeah and both of them have problems in their winery and you kind of have to you have to solve each one of their problems. Well, and importantly, they're also both convinced that the other one is sabotaging them. Once you start fixing their problems, something is sabotaging them. Well, yeah. 
someone. Well, yeah. And it's not entirely clear that it's the other person. It's just somebody is paying somebody else to leave these seeds all over the place. And not just the seeds, but then bandits are capturing, you know, the blacksmiths or whatnot. And I, I wasn't entirely sure if the bandit for the blacksmith or for the maid lady were part of the whole sabotage or if that's just something else that happened to happen. Uh, they were. Okay. But so I fixed, I think, three of her five problems. And then I went and did a couple of his because there was an optional quest for go figure out his stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I always try to do the optional quest, especially when it's something like this. Right. In, in, in Tucson. I learned my lessons very early. Uh, but this this is one of those times where I kind of learned that lesson because this is one of the very first things I did. And so <laughs> I started fixing some of his problems too. And I noticed that somebody was doing this, but it wasn't either of them. Yes. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, let me go ahead and finish all of her stuff first and go back to that guy. And I did that. And then I go back to the main dude and her. And I'm like, hey, by the way, your stuff's fixed. And the guy's like, cool, okay, well, your winery seems to be perfectly fine, so why don't you come with me and I'm going to go sell you the new winery. So we get there, and then he talks about how there's all these problems with the new winery that I'm going to have to solve, too. (laughs) Yeah. And so then I go back and I solve that other guy's problems, and I get there, and I'm like, hey, yo, what's up, man? Guess what? I fixed all your stuff, too. And he's like, cool, great. Like, I can continue on with my business, but really wanted that new winery. Like, uh, sorry, dude. Don't really know what to tell you because she kind of already has it. So, And then I went and I go helped her. And I got all of her winery stuff. And then she basically talks at the very end about how she's like, you know, I kind of came up to this from nothing. The previous winery that I'm at, I didn't own it. My family didn't own it. The people adopted me basically taught me everything I knew, and I worked very hard from the ground up to get where I am today. And I'm super grateful that I have the opportunity to, you know, basically bring this winery back to life too. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I can't think of a better way this could have gone down. But, (laughs) so you definitely missed something. What's that? So, when you get the... As you go to both of them, like you said, there are definitely evidence that neither of them, like that they're both being sabotaged, but neither of them is the one doing it, which opens up another side quest to go find who's actually doing it. Yeah, I got that. Did you do it? Yeah. Okay. So you go and you go to the, um, it was actually one of the guys who got, who's been murdered by the beast. He was trying to take over both of their wineries. But if you finish both of them before you go back, and have that evidence, they form a partnership and work together on the vineyard. And they, because again, it's a fairy tale, wind up falling in love and they name a wine after you in honor of what you've done because they start a relationship and are starting a new family and combining their things and now they're going to have like one family with three vineyards. Oh, see, what's really funny is I didn't have any of that evidence when I went to go there. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw something online where somebody goes back and then they both don't, they form a partnership in the sense that the banker forces them to. Yes. 
And at the very end of it, when you solve all of their problems and you don't have all of that information on who actually did it, he is a super lazy good for nothing who basically says, oh, yes, I can't wait to sit around drinking wine all day and have parties. And she it, it basically talks about how she is basically going to try to do all the work to actually make it a good winery. And when I yeah. saw that online, I was like, oh, cool. So super like my thing better because now it sounds like she's not going to be stuck with some lazy dude for the rest of her life. Yeah. So, so once again, it's interesting because by virtue of doing this, somehow I'm like retroactively changing his attitude and stuff. Like, it's so weird because he definitely seems to be an active member of the partnership. And like I said, they, they just straight up fall in love and are basically going to get married if you do it with, if you have all the evidence and stuff. That's so interesting. And I, I, you know, I thought that I probably should have done that. The only reason why I didn't is because I finished her stuff and the quest that opened up was like four levels above the other quest. Yeah. It was a 38, both of those. And the one that came up was like a 32 or, or, or like a 42 or a 44. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, I'm yeah. not going to do that yet because I'm not that level yet. Yeah, and actually, it's ironic because the only reason I did do that one was because of the conversation that we had had about, you know, how it likes, like, you have to make sure you understand everything and stuff, because otherwise I wouldn't have done it yet because it was a higher level, and I usually do things in level order. But I was like, you know, since I already know there's a little more to the story, I feel like I can't let this thread go before I turn it in, and so I went ahead and did it anyway. Interesting. So, like, the conversation that we had kind of helped contribute to me getting the, I guess, best outcome. I guess it kind of makes sense because both of them, it was, it, it's clear that both of them are very passionate about their wineries and everything. Mm -hmm. And if you have the evidence when you turn everything in and it's very clear that somebody else did it. Yeah, there's no hard feelings and they're actually both like, yeah, okay. Whereas okay. before that, it sounds like the way that you do it otherwise basically... It kind of sounds like he holds resentment against her and she basically just acts like, whatever, let's just move past it and continue to go on about our yeah. business. And so it kind of sounds like he just can't let things go. Yeah. Which, here's the thing, people don't change, Andrew. People do not change and he is a lazy good for nothing. So she, they may be in love now. Won't last. <laughs> so, Andrew, I think, honestly, this is the very first time in this game that I feel like you've actually done something better than me. <laughs> I, I still think I disagree on Vivian. Okay. Well, I'm glad we can at least both agree that this time I got the correct decision. Although, here's the thing. She, <laughs> <laughs> she is an independent uh, woman and she don't need no man. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> you can't even let me have one. No, no, no I'm just saying, just because yours may be better, because this is a fairy tale love story, which doesn't happen in real life ever, I might add. And certainly not in the Witcher universe. He's probably definitely a murderer. But <laughs> wow. she is an independent woman and she don't need no man. Wow. I just, if there's an option to basically help any woman versus any dude in any video game or real life ever, I'm going to use that option because I just generally don't care for men. And sorry, you know, if you're a dude, I don't, it's not like, I don't, I don't dislike you, you know? He actually totally does. <laughs> Listen, I grew up, it was just me, my mom, and my sister. I mean, what do you expect? 
Yeah. Well, on that note, now that we've ended on the most positive note we possibly can, where Chris has conceded that Andrew was correct about something, this seems like a good time to wrap this episode It up. feels wrong. I don't know. I think it feels really right. It actually. feels so wrong. This this is the best time. It's never going to be better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Andrew's over here sitting on cloud nine. Can't wait for you to continue the rest of the story, bro. Look, let me have this, okay? <laughs> let me have hey, this. Hey, both of us are, are chivalric knights. Both of us I, are. I, I, I will say I feel like I've been, I mean, again, maybe partially just because of what you said, but I feel like I've done a really good job about trying to, like, I've been, I don't think there's been any moments so far that I've been like, uh, I really don't feel like, I feel like I could have done better. And I haven't really had that. I feel so. like you'd be an absolute garbage wisher if I hadn't been talking about this so heavily last time. <laughs> that you have just been on edge this whole time to do everything perfectly. Now I can't get you anymore. I, I should have just sat there and said nothing. And then I could have sat here and boasted of how wonderful my experience has been. Where you've been a bumbler going, <laughs> going around. No, no, no bumbling for me. <laughs> it's just so funny because the guy's like, well, I guess that's what I get for hiring a bumbler. <laughs> it's just so perfect because in a sense, he's like, here's your money. But like, screw you, man. Oops. That's what I get for hiring a bumbler. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It, it, makes, it's, it makes me so happy. And, and I wanted so bad for you to be a bumbler. No bumblers here. Well. I got all my bumbling out of my system in the base game. (laughs) Yeah, you had a lot of bumbling in that base game. Yeah. See, as time has gone on and Geralt has gotten more experience being a witcher, he has learned from his mistakes. And now he's doing a really good job. My Geralt already knew not to make all the mistakes you were making before. But he's he's making mistakes now. Mike, whoa, 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 whoa. I would not say this is a mistake. This is just a different good end. Yours would be the objectively better end. So there you go. No, that's not. (laughs) You're not understanding. A bad end would end in both the woman and the man dying. Or in the other case, the woman being saddled with some lazy partner that she hates for the rest of her life. There are multiple bad ends. Both of us got good ends. I, from my perspective, got the best end. Because she doesn't need some husband that she has to be saddled with, who's definitely a lazy good for nothing, from what I've been seeing. <laughs> it's difficult for me to admit that you could have done anything correct. Yeah, so, I've gathered. On that horrible disappointment. Uh, yeah, after, after this wonderful moment. Uh, so what are your expectations for next time, Chris? My expectations are you are going to start becoming a bumbler again because you just can't help it. <laughs> You just can't help making those Witcher mistakes, and there's just no way around it. At least that's my prediction. Okay. My predictions would, it would be pretty bad for me to make any prediction at all, because uh, I kind of know everything at this point. That's fair. There really isn't anything left Uh, for me not to know. So I guess the questions are, what are your predictions? And I'll just kind of sit here and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and like just think whether about or how not it comes true or not yeah i mean on some level even i'm at a disadvantage on trying to make a prediction since you even just sort of like 
obliquely hinted at stuff last time. But having said that, let's see here. I think I'm definitely expecting there's more going on to this Detloff vampire thing. And so here's a question. Did did you... Are, are, are there just vampires everywhere? And I asked this because, like, I was just randomly exploring. Uh, it, well, it was while I was doing the the Grand Master Hunt, and there was just, like, I was checking some ruins, and there was an NPC that was just, like, hooded woman, and I walked over in the, her direction because I was looking for the blueprints, and she just rips off her hood, and she's a vampire, and she just starts, like, trying to murder me. And so I'm like... I mean, I guess maybe it's just like, hey, look at the new monster that we've got, because vampires are, like, a, a big thing in Toussaint, but, like, it, just, it really feels like there's a lot of vampires in Toussaint. Specifically higher vampires, and specifically yeah. because you find out later, which I think you kind of already know at this point, but higher vampires can only be killed by other higher vampires. Yes. So they basically all made a pact a long time ago to never fight amongst each other because they're immortal otherwise. And yeah. so I guess to short answer, yes. Okay. I just assume everyone's a vampire at this point. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm feeling too. Like I don't know unless, how you until it, it kind of seems like you can't make a vampire. Yeah, the so I mean Geralt definitely talks like that yeah, vampires are just another world that they came from like one of the other spheres from the conjunction and that's really it. So like the vampires are just those vampires or descendants of those vampires because there's definitely multiple types of vampires like we talked about before and only the higher vampires are like the true immortal ones. So cuz like the other ones that we've randomly fought that look very bat-like and stuff are more like the vampires that we traditionally know in our like in our fiction in the real world. Yeah. I mean, unless you're talking about Twilight and then Detlaf and, and Regis <laughs> are definitely... No, I was talking about, like, Dracula. You know, I installed a mod that specifically <laughs> made all the vampires twinkle. Okay. Well, I mean, that'll make something. it really easy. That'll make it really easy for you to identify when the random people you're walking past are vampires. Well, here's... I, well, I, I can assure you that no mod exists because there's one thing that I found out that I'm really confused about and I, I kind of want to kind of want to air this grievance before we kind of end here um, because okay. I, I just can't have us ending on a positive note. <laughs> I had mentioned a long time ago that I was going to do everything in my power to run around as Jedi Carol trying yeah. to find a lightsaber. Well, apparently none of the modders, everyone apparently has something against Star Wars that mods the Witcher because there's multiple forum posts and multiple people basically clamoring for a a lightsaber and every single person that comments is basically like keep your star wars garbage out of the witcher just like a bunch like these people apparently hate star wars anyone who mods the witcher 3 apparently hates star wars to the point where just asking for it in a forum they basically just pile all over you about how dare you even ask us for that. And I'm sitting here thinking back to what we said originally, Geralt, he might as well already be a Jedi. He has signs that, I don't know if you're aware of this, anyone in the Witcher community 
they're a lot like the Force. Maybe because the Force is a lot like everything else, but why? Star Wars is such garbage and can't even place a foot in the world of The Witcher. So if there's one thing, and I know this is not going to come as a shock to you or anybody else, it's that uh, a lot of sci-fi, or really, like, nerds in general tend to be horrible gatekeepers about stuff, and the things I like are the best things and nothing else can count. And coincidentally, of course, everybody just likes the things that are absolutely the top-tier stuff, and anything that they don't like is garbage. And, you know, that's just an objective fact. It's not that they're biased or whatever. It's just that, objectively, they like The Witcher and they don't like Star Wars. Therefore, The Witcher is an amazing thing and Star Wars is is garbage. I think the one of the problems is that there aren't really mod tools like you get in, like, Bethesda games or other games like that. So it's significantly harder to mod The Witcher 3. And it's not that I think it's difficult to add lightsabers. It's just the people that are going to go through the the people that are going to care about it as much as to actually go out and mod it. I think those are the people that are like, no, screw you. I'm not going to put a lightsaber in there because why would you, why on earth would you sully the Witcher with this Star Wars garbage? Which I'm just like, seriously, you're just going to get mad at a person just because they want a lightsaber? Just don't do the lightsaber. You, I, I get that this is the internet and that you have to complain about it, but like, just say, no, I don't really feel like putting a, a lightsaber in there. And if you want to do it, do it yourself. Wow, how easy was that to do? It, it's almost as if I didn't have to be a phenomenal dick about it. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> but, you know, that that's why, you know. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So, so in other words, I'm never going to get my lightsaber, which is another massive disappointment. Because <laughs> I don't care <laughs> yes. enough to put a lightsaber in there. If you put runes in the sword, they already glow, which makes them look like a lightsaber. The only thing that's missing is the swishing sounds. So you know what? I am. I'm going to download swishing sounds that just sound like a lightsaber and humming noises. So when Geralt is basically just humming, he's like, Geralt's making the noises himself. He's like... (laughs) <laughs> I was like, what is this guy doing in this fight? Oh, yeah, he, he just does that. He just makes, like, weird sounds. When, when it's fine. rolls, he's like, Pucha! Huya! <laughs> oh. It just, it, it, it seems so ridiculous to me that when people are going out and they're modding Bethesda games and taking all of the dragons and turning them into Thomas the Tank Engine, like, that's considered cool and, like, the thing to do. But adding a lightsaber into The Witcher 3, how dare you? Come on. I have a feeling that those guys that are doing that, though, probably also don't like Skyrim because it's probably, you know, like baby fantasy for babies. (laughs) Yeah. It's just stupid. Just don't do it. So on that note, that's going to do it for this episode of Video Games Cover to Cover. As always... Check our description for our contact information because we'd love to hear from you. Andrew, I miss Yennefer. 